We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? It's only preseason, guys. Yeah, that was a rough game. The Nets fell to the Heat 109-80. Obviously, you know, Kyrie Irving didn't play. Congrats on him on a new child. Joe Harris got some rest. Seth Curry's still out. TJ Warren's still out. So not necessarily a ton of offensive playmakers. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, where should we start with this one? I think we start with the starters, Nick. We sort of go before the game, where the starters were Ben Simmons, Kessler Edwards, Nick Claxton, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant. You know, an incredibly long lineup. Now, you know, the the efficiency of that lineup, you know, left a little bit to be desired, but you know, it showed that the Nets had had a little bit there in terms of the defensive prowess, and that's somewhat positive heading into this season. But man, th- th- there were few and far between in terms of the the positives to take from the game, other than. Oh, yeah, Kevin Durant's still really good at hoops. That's basically it. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest takeaway, I guess. Um, talking about that starting lineup, obviously, Kevin Durant, Royce O'Neal, Kessler Edwards, uh, Ben Simmons, and Nick Claxton. It's just short, you know, one offensive playmaker or one offensive, you know, score, especially with the way Ben Simmons is playing. Very reluctant to attack the rim and take shots. Only three shots for Ben tonight in Honestly, there was probably 10 times at least where he had an opportunity to drive to the rim and, you know, dunk the ball, shoot a layup, potentially get to the free throw line. Still very timid in that area. And obviously that's a concern because that was a concern at the end of his time in Philadelphia, still early in him getting back on the court. But that's a pretty big factor, in my opinion, for the success of him this season and the success of the Nets. And we have to see who he's going to be in terms of that aspect of his game, because he just can't be passing up these opportunities. And I think teams are starting to anticipate pass first, you know, score, not at all. Yeah. I think the mentality of Ben Simmons is, is something that we'll, we'll be watching for. You know, we said, you know, in our previews, we're like, okay, what are the free throw numbers going to be like, you know, and, and it, all of those things relate to, you know, what is his mentality out there? And right now I think it is, passive you know it, it's quite passive maybe it's just getting a feel you know for, for the reps and such and you know obviously when Kyrie Irving's out there he can be even more of a passer but I, I'm not saying he there's people in the past that have made a Ben Simmons Giannis comparison just purely because you know they're six foot ten guys who are 
gigantuan, fluid athletes despite their size. But the difference with Giannis is Giannis has a mentality where he's not afraid to make mistakes. He's not afraid to look a bit silly out there. He's not afraid to miss some free throws. He's not afraid to get fouled. No, he's not afraid of contact. Ben Simmons is a physical marvel, and he should use those qualities, you know, into his to his benefit. And in a, in a lot of cases, you know, where we focus on you know Ben Simmons, you know, a lot of the positives and the negatives, and I think we're just looking objectively at this game and what he's produced lately, you know, in terms of his career. He has all the tools to be a, a guy who scores twenty points per game pretty easily without doing much more than just bullying to the basket. The only thing that he needs to do is get hit 60, 65% of his free throws and not be, uh, it just, and obviously the, the three point thing, I don't think even needs a discussion. It's just, don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, yep. I think I teach my kids that in terms of, you know, teaching them stuff in maths and English and, and the rest of it. It just seems to me that sometimes Ben tries to look too cool out there. Yeah. Whereas you'd rather just be Yardis and go, all right, I'm going to take a free throw for 15 seconds. Then I might miss it and get some booze. But then by the next season, I'll make some changes. And it just doesn't seem like, and again, we're, we're going off two preseason games, but we, I think, need to talk it's about... It's also a trend from the last time we saw him play healthy too. Exactly. And that's, while I'm saying this right now, that doesn't mean that this is Ben Simmons set in stone. Yep. Ben Simmons could end up being a more aggressive uh, scorer in terms of his, you know, we did our predictions and, you know, a lot of us were like, you know, what's the most, the, the, the thing that's going to be the hardest to get if he's going to average a triple-double? Well, at this rate, it's the scoring because he's not scoring a lot and he had a lot of turnovers tonight too. So, I don't know, what are your thoughts on Ben Simmons, Zach? Am I being too over the top? Do I need to chill out a little bit? I'm, I do understand it's preseason. But I think this is a discussion that we might be having during the regular season as well, which is why I thought it was worth bringing up at this point in time, too. Yeah, I think two preseason games, obviously, is not a huge sample size, but it's what we have to work with right now. And you'd love to see the mentality shift. Like if there is a time to make mistakes and look foolish, it's preseason because it doesn't matter. And I think, you know, there's this concept of like Ben needing to be a scorer. I don't even need Ben to be a scorer. I need him to just shoot layups and dunk the basketball and just take advantage of opportunities created for him. And he's not doing that at times. There's times where he's passing the ball. He's in front of the rim. He could shoot a two foot layup, potentially dunk the basketball. He's kicking it out for a three. Like he needs to realize his life is going to be incredibly more difficult on the basketball court if he's not scoring. His passing numbers, only four assists tonight and six turnovers. Like I mentioned, the Heat were playing off him in the sense of, hey, we know this guy's not looking to score. And also, if you're not going to attack the rim against this Heat team, then I don't know who you're going to attack the rim against because Bam's not a great shot blocker. They played small lineups. They played Kyle Lowry was on him majority of the game, and we saw maybe one or two post-ups. Like, there's opportunities for him to be really successful. And yes, it hasn't been a trend of his career, but we've seen it in glimpses. You know, I think back to that game he had against Utah when he went dropped like 40 on a Gobert, you know, when he was going at it. It's just like there is potential there. It's just he even just like looks timid where he doesn't want to make contact in the paint. And that makes you think about the free throw shooting, which leads you to a big concern. Yeah, and again, this is a discussion we're having right now. It's not a discussion that we hope to be having come February, March, or whatever. But it is worth bringing up because it is a trend, as you alluded to, in the past. So who knows? Come the, the third, fourth preseason game, he could be taking five, six free throws. He's not afraid of he contact. I don't like really at least 10 shots a game, I think. He, he should be taking a lot of shots, especially with Kyrie Irving not out there yep. as well. You know, That's it's when just you need like, to step up. 
It's like you can't be a, a, like a, a primary facilitator when Edmund Sumner and Kessler Edwards and Yuta Watanabe are your, your spaces yep. out there. Like my guy, like just get some free throws. Like it's that's the thing. Like I, I just, it's about his style of play because he has the skill set to be really, really good. It's just you know, like this Nets team, the floor and ceiling there is a, a few and far between. At worst, Ben Simmons is a better version of Rajan Rondo Rajan Rondo like he and that's a very very good possible Hall of Fame player at his best he is all NBA caliber he, he you know people have I remember you know a couple of years ago before all of the stuff in Philadelphia happened you know second or third season people were touting him as you know him that should trade Joel Embiid and not Ben Simmons they were touting him as like the the future MVP and not Giannis so yeah, some people said they'd rather have Ben moving forward instead of Embiid it, and 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 that's the thing, you know. Obviously, a lot can change in basketball, and we hope that that will change, you know, for the in the positive direction for Ben Simmons. But it's something that is worth touching on at this early point in time. We'll probably get called irrational for for going over the top for preseason games, but we do game recaps, so we watch what we see in the game and we analyze it, and that's what we saw in today's game, at least what we sort of saw in at our vantage point in the next game, as I alluded to, or the game after that, we could see Ben Simmons put up a Utah Jazz-like performance where he puts on you know 40 on him and gets to the free throw line, takes 20 shots, has a, a triple-double or whatever, but that hasn't happened yet, so we're waiting to see it. Yeah, I don't even care if Ben shoots layups, just try to dunk everything. Like, I mean, it's just like the mentality of going to the rim and uh, this is on Twitter via Eric Slater. Steve Nash on Ben Simmons' lack of aggressiveness tonight. Right now, it's a little clunky for us. Ben's going to be fine. He's going to be an engine for us. He's going to improve every night. So, obviously, Steve is not super concerned about it. And I do think there is a level of it, him getting comfortable back on the court. But again, like you mentioned, there's this fear that he's you know too too cool for school. And he doesn't want to have like those negative looks on him where it's like, you're hurting yourself more by not you know making mistakes in preseason. Yeah, he doesn't want to go on house like house of highlights for you know missing you know O of eleven or, or something or airballing or something like that. Or it's just like who cares? Like yep. and, and and I think mentality is is a big thing in in all sport, but basketball especially. And I think on when it comes to Steve Nash and, and the coaching staff, they also need to allow Ben Simmons to be more effective off the ball because he he just isn't yet. Now we saw. We've seen glimpses here and there in preseason games and in practice and such of, of him being more of a screener, of him being you know, Bruce Brown-like in terms of what he does with the ball when he doesn't, what he does without the ball in his hands. Obviously, again, it's two preseason games. You know, you you see what you can get. But by by game ten, you know, that's what we sort of gave ourselves a mark of. What is Ben Simmons going to be like within the Brooklyn Nets offensive system? What he does have the ball in his hands. That's going to be the intriguing thing. Yes, TJ Warren could be back by then. Seth Curry could be back by then. And he looks like you know a, a goddamn superstar and it leads the league in assists, as some people have predicted um, on our mailbag pod. But at this point in time, you know we need him to be, when Curry Irving isn't out there, the second best player. And he didn't even look like that tonight. Yeah, I would say that I will give Ben some credit defensively. I thought he was good and had some highlight plays. There was also some, you know, risk plays, but it's preseason. A rebounding was solid. And talking about some of the actions, you know, there was a dribble handoff with Kevin Durant that they had some nice chemistry. You know, Ben, you know, gave the ball to the KD. KD hit him back. Ben ended up missing the layup, but that's okay. It's the fact that the sequence worked. And Really, during the first quarter, you saw some successful sets and guys just miss some open threes. And obviously, some of that's just like the guys playing. Kessler Edwards 0-4 from three tonight. But 
again, like you said, you know, we're going to keep an eye on how aggressive he is as a scorer and, you know, what he can do. And obviously it's amplified when, you know, the team's best, some of the best scores are out. Obviously KD played tonight, but no Kyrie Irving, no Seth Curry, no Joe Harris, and obviously no TJ Warren. So when those guys are out, that's when you have to realize like, hey, I need to drop some points. And again, it's preseason, but it's just also the mentality. Yeah, look, uh, it's, we'll again analyze with some more film to watch, with some more games hype to watch as the it becomes a little bit clearer. But you know, there are signs there that, and maybe these signs are pronounced because of the absences of Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, TJ Warren, Seth Curry, these sort of guys. But even in those absences, the Nets have it a, a pretty deep rotation and. Ben Simmons should be much better than he was tonight. But again, you take things with a with a grain of salt, given the fact that it is preseason basketball. So we'll yeah, see there was how a couple lineups that weren't in favor of Ben, you know, playing him with Sumner and Claxton, not necessarily ideal. Sumner's a guy who's a questionable three point shooter and couldn't knock one down tonight. So he's obviously des he desperately needs spacing to be successful, but also that spacing's less effective if he's not applying any type of rim pressure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, the Nets overall have been shooting the ball really poorly from three in, in this preseason. You know, tonight, what were they overall? They were five of 28, mm. you know, 17.9%. Now, again, you know, out of above average three-point shooters that the Nets have right now in, in terms of tonight's game, Kevin Durant, Royce O'Neal, that's it. Like, uh, Paddy Mills, yes, but Pat, and Paddy Mills missed all of his three. You know, you can make an argument for Kessler Edwards given his, his, his shooting. His average, probably. His average enough. 
But yeah, the, the the Nets were bad there. The Nets were really, really bad there. So that's something to keep an eye. But you know, maybe not something to keep an eye when you have <laughs> two of your three, three of your, sorry, yeah, three of your four best three point shooters who aren't actually playing in tonight's game. And TJ Warren can hit something uh, as well. Nick, where do we go? Like, how else do you want to analyze this game? Because you know, I, I, behind the scenes, you and I are like, okay, how are we going to get twenty minutes out of this one? Like, we got. I don't know, eight minutes out of Ben Simmons talk, something like that, and maybe ten. You know, you're the one that's uh, recording this, so maybe you can keep me the, as the timer. And we're doing good on time. All right, sweet. So, what next then? <laughs> well, uh, I would say uh, let's talk uh, like some positive. Kevin Durant looked great in even situations where he was double teamed, trapped, very congested. You saw his kind of full array of moves and his ability to score across the court. And I love the fact that he started the game with a one-on-one pull-up three on Bam defensively I'm not going to look much into Kevin Durant during preseason same thing with the rebounding department but it just felt like KD got the work he needed for the regular season tonight especially against a Miami team that's very physical very active you know a couple turnovers in there but overall really happy with KD and he felt more involved but also it was like at some points it was like wow is KD gonna have to carry this team like he did last year obviously guys were out tonight so it really doesn't matter but it was nice to see him just find his groove yeah, and he looked like, you know, when he was complaining about some calls, you know, Bam flopped a little bit, and, you know, he, he was sweating, and he, he just looked yeah. like he was in his, his flow a little bit more in comparison to the first preseason game. But, Nick, is 26 minutes too much for Kevin Durant in a preseason game? Is Steve Nash already going over? No. I maybe. was surprised he played in the third quarter, to be honest. I thought he was going to be done because I saw enough in the first half where I was like, you know what, let him, let him rest. This team's very physical for no reason, and, you know, why take the chance? Yeah, well, Ben did the same as well, played 25 yeah. minutes. But I think I he think needs the time where I, I honestly, does. Katie is like, to me, a veteran quarterback in the NFL where he can not play a single preseason minute, and I would expect him to be great week one. Are you saying he's Tom Brady and, you know, Giselle Budden? I don't know how to say her last name. I apologize. She's on the market now. Maybe KD might slide into Giselle's DMs. We'll see how we go with uh, Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Durant's better. Yeah. Uh, go shit. Let's just put it that way for Kevin Durant. Uh, in... I thought Royce looked good as a starter, Nick. I think that yep. he made a, a relatively strong case tonight. You know, four rebounds for him as well. You know, just really active defensively. Two of six from three. For me, the volume is what looks good there. The fact that he wasn't afraid to take them. I don't care how you shoot in the preseason. If you're taking them and you're looking confident enough and you're looking fluid enough and your mechanics are fine, the ball will fall eventually. So I thought that outside of KD, Royce was probably the one that stood out in terms of somewhat positive. Yeah, because he doesn't need to score a lot to be effective. You know, it's the defense, it's the grittiness, the rebounding, and I think you saw some of his ability to guard up a little bit tonight too. You know, there was possessions where he got put on BAM, where he looked okay, and it's just like, all right, Royce O'Neal, I, I feel really confident with who he is, and he got a lot of great looks, and I think he's starting to get a feel for playing next to Kevin Durant. You know, there was this one play where he just essentially looked like he was going to set a screen, but just sprinted past KD, got a wide open three at the top of the key. You know, you, you really can't beat that. Did tonight's game make you rethink, you know, your uh, our, our, our starters, who we think will start, who Steve Nash has indicated, you know, is he likely to replace Joe? You know, we've said that Royce will be in closing lineups. He will be in important lineups. He will lead the team, and he will probably be the first guy off the bench, as we saw in that first preseason game. 
what he's showing in terms of the defensive force and presence that he gives, having him and Ben Simmons as defensive presences out there for large periods of the game is going to make the Nets a, a, a substantially better defensive team. Should Royce be starting, Nick? You know, there's a lot of people making that argument, you know, and we could easily make it ourselves. We have, but did tonight's game give you any more confidence or, or or thinking going, you know what, Royce should start. Joe's ankle, you know, speaking of, we got we got a little bit of news pertaining to that. He was asked a question on Joe Harris. He said it was he was kept out of precaution. He said he's dealing with some ankle soreness. So the fact that Joe has pulled up sore after his first preseason game, maybe start Royce. Look, again, by the I think uh we're I'll I'll answer your question. I think we're you look at this as the question mark of Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons in their offense. And if Ben is going to play this way, I think it makes you more dependent to play an offensive player in that other spot. If Ben were to be more aggressive or, you know, the Nets magically acquired a stretch five, I think Royce O'Neal makes more sense. You know, you could see his fit, but this lineup definitely needs offense. And I think it's also easier to apply stress to a defense with an action with Joe Harris and a screener of Nick Claxton than it is with Royce O'Neal, just because Joe Harris just has more gravity as a three-point shooter, and that level of spacing could be impactful for the offense. So I think until Ben becomes more aggressive than the Nets acquire a stretch five, I think Joe is probably the right choice, unless he's not healthy. Yeah, and it remains to be seen if he will be healthy. Obviously, he did yeah. pull up with some ankle soreness, and he probably would have played if it was a, a playoff game and such, but he's coming off injury. And despite the fact that we were pretty confident when we did our sort of rankings of him and some that coming off injuries, these sort of guys, you know, he's already experiencing some soreness after 20 or so minutes in, in the first preseason game. It's it's not a cause for concern, but it's somewhat concerning. So, But something to keep an eye on, and, and it's something that could alleviate itself by the time you know we get to the New Orleans Pelicans game you know, in, a, in two weeks, in a, a little bit less than two weeks. So, again, something to keep an eye on, but good things at least with Royce. And, you know, I'm, again, eating my words about the general trade uh, and, and such, but that's, that rem- well, again... Big fan it of remains Royce. to be seen, though. He's less performing in the regular season. Not to say that I don't have confidence that he will. And then I guess just a quick note from Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Simmons says there has to be more of a balance between him looking for a shot and creating for others. Three shots is definitely not enough. Said he wants to get the ball in the post and attack the rim more. Still getting his feel coming back. And this is via Eric Slater on Twitter. And that's fair. You know, I can appreciate the fact that he's acknowledging that he's not you know, playing correctly right now, or he's not doing enough from a scoring perspective. And that gives me more confidence. He'll be able to correct that issue. Yeah. I'm a big fan of self-awareness. You know, we heard KD and Kyrie hold themselves accountable at at different points in time last year. That's when I'm like, okay, good. At least you're acknowledging the issues that are here. And there are issues that are there and Ben Simmons knows them. And the fact that he's acknowledging that maybe we see him take 15 shots and he gets to the room, he's posting up, you know, he, in in the first preseason game, you know he 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 got some good seals in the post, and yep. the Nets players couldn't find him. Maybe that's what was just like. Okay, well, maybe I should stop doing this. Well, I think we heard Steve Nash sort of say, and I think other people sort of say, yeah, we need to look for him a little bit because he gets good positioning. And even when he was like, you know, posting up Jimmy Butler, like Jimmy Butler's six foot three, six foot four. Ben, you are six foot ten, my guy. Like you can rack and and dominate these falls with your physicality. And I'll obviously again. It's his second game back after missing 18 months of basketball. So 
all the concerns that we did discuss at the start of the episode are still there to an extent, but hearing him speak about that and have a level of accountability and self-awareness, it makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, and I guess one more uh, via Eric Slater on Twitter. Steve Nash on offensive struggles. We didn't generate enough good looks. We weren't uh, physical enough. Great night to look at the film and grow from it. And I think they weren't physical enough. Miami's an extremely physical team, very active, play with great energy. And I think that was probably more disappointing from the Nets. Like, if you don't shoot well during preseason, it's not the end of the world. You Maybe you have a couple turnovers. But when you don't play with energy or physicality, that's not a habit you want to create moving into the regular season early on. Definitely. So what else did you think was worth discussing from tonight's game, Nick? Yeah, this is probably not something you want to hear, but Patty Mills was very bad. Um, Some people are calling him the 20th man on the roster, not the 15th man. And it's just like, he might not have it anymore. But again, the, the two preseason games. But I will I'm, say, I noticed his le- he's not getting as much lift on a lot of his like movement threes it's it, there's almost like a little more of a dip in it obviously he shoots them and sometimes like fading away but it just doesn't seem like he has that same level of spryness that we saw early last year uh, i don't know what that could be from he could you know not be fully in shape but also defensively there was plays where he was over pursuing and then kind of becoming an even bigger negative for the defense. So that's that's going to be a huge concern. And obviously we discussed his ball handling being an issue. And it's easy to see where Seth Curry and TJ Warren could come into this team and be such great compliments to a lot of the other bench players they have because they're more solidified and polished all around offensive players. Yeah, the thing that I'm hoping is that Steve doesn't have this strong, strong affiliation with Patty and it's just like he needs to get minutes where it's just like you've got Seth there. You've got TJ Warren coming back. You've got Edmund Sumner there as well and Cam Thomas. Those guys uh, have played better. (laughs) They have made more threes tonight and I think are better players than Patty Mills right now. Now, again, I'm basing that off a a couple of preseasons and such, but by the end of this preseason, we'll be able to have more chatter about the rotation, which is discussions we do really like having. So we're judging it as we see it. You know, These are in-the-moment takes, and and the the in-the-moment take that I have right now is that Edmund Sumner and or Cam Thomas are above Patty Mills in the way that they are playing. Does that mean that they'll be in the rotation? Probably not because I think that there is a similar affiliation with Patty Mills as there is with Joe Harris on, on this team, given the San Antonio ties, what he did for the team last season in terms of, you know, backing up and all those sort of things. But that was an aberration of a season. It was a one in a, 10 season career uh, for Patty Mills last year. And even if he is 12th guy on the roster, cool. Like, uh, I That's just. fine. That's a fine role for him. That's unfortunately, not a big deal. though, we are paying him as a taxpayer MLE. So that's a fringe rotation player. But, I, uh, you know, you've got it's Seth Curry there. So, yeah. It's I, a, mean, it, and I agree. I agree, Nick. So I, I think that the money, the money doesn't matter. He can be a good locker room sort of guy that is what you'd expect after a vet minimum. But at this point in time, unless Patty finds a little bit of juice, big juice, as he likes to say, then he doesn't deserve to be getting quality rotation minutes. And especially when Seth is back, if he is on a similar regard to to Seth Curry, Seth Curry is an upgrade over Patty Mills in every sense of the form. Yeah, I mean, he just does a lot more in the basketball court. And even defensively, he's better than Patty Mills is at this point. Um, I think with Patty is like there's also the potential he just becomes a trade filler later on. You know, obviously, we don't know if Sean would 
be willing to let him go. We know that they have that type of relationship, but if there's a move out there that could drastically improve the team, I think you have to look at it. I think Edmund Sumner, you start to see some of just the up and down of his game throughout his career. And obviously a guy coming back from a torn Achilles, the question is three point shot is, is definitely still there. And then obviously cam Thomas didn't really get, he got a little bit of run in the rotation, but a majority of his minutes came in garbage time. But you saw some good things from him. You know, he had a catch and shoot three from Ben. He had a couple good finishes in the paint. This was just a lot better game from Cam Thomas. And I think that competition for that last guard rotation spot between Cam, Patty, and Sumner is definitely still up in the air. You know, I think Patty's in last place right now. I think it's, you know, between Sumner and Cam, but it easily could change over the course of the next two games. Yeah. And I hope that it is a spot that is given on merit, you know, yeah. not on name, not on status, because. You know, it's a. This isn't a position in the rotation that is going to swing whether the Nets are good or bad, but every little part matters in in the quest for a championship. And if that quest includes m- meaningless minutes from a guy that's six foot one and isn't hitting his threes, and that's what he should be doing, and isn't doing those little energy plays, and is going a bit over the top with with some of the things here and there, then yeah, relegate him. You know, because yep. that you judge on what you are producing at this point in time. You don't judge off reputation. You don't judge off last season. He had a very very good season last year, Paddy Mills. A great season. He has been one of the great Australian basketballers in the history of our game, if not the best, alongside Andrew Gaze. He led us to our first medal at the Olympics. But at this point in time, championships matter for this Brooklyn Nets team. It's it's championship or bust. And is Paddy Mills a part of that? It, it remains to be seen. Yeah, and maybe his part is just being a locker room leader. You know, we know that he's loved by the team and his teammates and, you know, the energy he brings. So if that's his role, that's his role. And, I mean, other than that, we saw Markeith Morris a little bit at small ball five. I thought he I did it. enough where, you know, you're okay putting him out there. He's not great. You know, I think he could probably get in better shape, to be quite honest. And I think, you know, there was just a couple mistakes. But at the end of the day, he's not going to necessarily play, you know, huge minutes on his team. He played 15 minutes tonight. That's probably what you would see during the regular season. Claxton really didn't have much of an impact. You'd like to see him have a better game. Um, Other than that, not really much. You know, Utah, he's a guy that's got to be like your fifth option, like you're the worst player in your lineup. And that's okay because he just does all the small things. But when he's boosted up in the lineup order, he's just not as successful. And that was the case for a lot of guys tonight. And, you know, this opportunity for people to step up, they really didn't. And you see the missing pieces and where they could fit in and really help make this team more successful. But again, you know, the lack of energy and physicality is the biggest concern probably of the night. Yeah, the only thing I'll add on top of that, Nick, you know, copy and paste my thoughts because mine are very, very similar, especially when it comes to Utah. I do like him as just sort of a guy to have in the rotation, a guy to have up your sleeve. Again, he's not an ace. He's a a five, a six, a seven, maybe an eight or a nine on good days. But in terms of Markeith Morris, you know, the um, he just looks like he he's an NBA player and is a rotation player and not just a fringe one, a guy that can still contribute a little bit for for another season or two. Took and a charge I, I like that. I, I I really like that as well. I thought that was really positive. He's just and, and that's what you get out of. He's going to be. An upgrade on James Johnson, but a lesser Jeff Green. That's probably yeah. my summation of, of what he'll provide the team. And I just think as well, like your your point in his conditioning, during the NBA season, players just get in shape really easily because they're playing games night after night after night. They're barely eating or they're eating quickly or whatever. And maybe Kyrie's got some Beyond Meat burgers behind the scenes and some some of the vegan diets and, and meal plans uh, for Markeith as well. But I, I think... 
I'm enjoying him, and I'm glad that we we signed him. I think there were a, a few naysayers here and there about Markeith Morris. I was never one of those guys. I always thought that he could contribute, and it's good to see. Even what I've seen so far, I'm like, yeah, this guy should be eight, seven, eight, nine in the rotation for the. He was Nets. the first and big I, off the bench tonight, obviously. Exactly. So we'll see how it does pan out, and I think I've said that a million times because again, <laughs> I mean, we're it's talking preseason. We're talking preseason, so we yeah. are going to see how it pans out because. These things don't matter right now, but I think it's it's still fun to talk hoops. And Markeith Morris is is doing some nice things. So, any other final things, Nick? We aren't going too long on this one. This isn't going to be a ninety minute podcast like we did on every single positional preview, which you should check out, as well as our mailbag, which we had got a, a flurry of great questions from our listeners. So, if you want to listen, scrap this one, move on to the next one. Go to those previews. Go to those mailbags. Plenty of great content there. Yeah, I guess I got two quotes from Nash. Oh, one from Nash, one from KD. Uh, Steve Nash said, Markeith Morris played hard, was one of the few Nets that did, adds Keith's biggest role for the Nets this year could be as a leader. Like that, that's via Alex Schiffer. Also via Alex Schiffer, Kevin Durant on the game. I didn't like anything. I like that we came out of it healthy. And I think that's that's what you need. You need him to be willing to be negative because it's the same thing with Steve Nash sometimes being too positive and being like, oh, everything's okay or making an excuse where sometimes you just need to be objectively blunt and say like, hey, we were trash. Yeah, like the, and like I can't remember who it was. No, it was Ke- Kevin Love because I have to put people behind the scenes who happen are lucky enough to follow me on Twitter. No, in, in <laughs> I have like 4 billion reaction videos saved in my phone, which is why I, I get some good reactions here and there. One of them is Kevin Love being asked a question of like, how were you guys telling? He's like, we sucked. Yeah. And like sometimes you just need to hear that. And Kevin Rand, I think, is isn't gonna be afraid of some home truths here or there. And I'm glad we heard that tonight because you know, you expect at least a, a form of a bounce back. You don't want a four quarter performance like this. Like I don't care if there's three crappy quarters because like in the last game, as you alluded to, Nick, that second quarter was like, okay, that's what the Nets can look like. Yeah. We want to build, get two or three good quarters here or there, not like four quarters of absolute awfulness. Yeah, I mean, if you come out and play a great first quarter, I really don't care about the rest of the game. Just give us like that glimpse, then we'll be good with it. But Jack, before we jump into too much, I think it's time to get out of here. As always, a pleasure recording with you, and big thanks everyone for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.